In a few years, I would love to take a full year off. And what would I do? Would I tour every NFL and MLB city in the U.S.? Uh, It would be tempting, but no, I would tour the U.S. meeting as many of the great authors that I've gotten to interview the past three or so years, treating them to coffee at their favorite hangouts. Uh, Some of those people would include Ron Baker, Paul Downs, Howard Green, now he's outside the U.S., Willie Donaldson, Amy Bruschi, Ben Lamort, Jeffrey Marks, oh my, there are so many others. But at the very top of the list, I would want to hang out a day with Ed Hess. Now, if you listen to these shows in order, you just heard him talking about one of my 25 favorite business books, Smart Growth. In this conversation, we'll be talking about his 2023 book release, Own Your Own Journey. It's almost like two books in one. And if you are an Ed Hess fan like I am, you're going to especially love the first 10 minutes of this conversation. It's going to mean a lot to you. I'm Mark Gandy. This is CFO Bookshelf. My conversation with Ed Hess and his newest book, Own Your Own Journey, that's coming up next. Before I turn on Ed's mic, you need to hear this short list. He did not make a peewee football team in the Georgia version of Friday Night Lights. He was almost drowned as a teenager. He and his wife were married by Ruth Bader Ginsburg. He changed a law school's dress code. And finally, he wrote the first story about a hedge fund icon who wrote the book, Principles. You know who I'm talking about. The introduction of Ed's new book was completely unexpected and also inspiring. I've been very fortunate. I've been very fortunate. And it's all because other people, other people saw something, felt something, uh, but uh, gave me opportunities. Uh, and, you know, I'm so indebted to all those people and, you know, and whether you want to call it your morning prayers or your morning meditations or evening prayers and meditations. I mean, I have a, you know, a list of people, many who have passed that I still thank them every day for what they did to help me. And I've never really figured out what they saw that was so either unusual or, you know, the bet that they placed on me, but something triggered. And, uh, yeah. And I mean, uh, I mean, the, the football one was, uh, uh, was really, really big, uh, because, uh, you know, I was, I was raised in a small town in rural Georgia and my father was an immigrant. My mother was effectively an immigrant because she was born in Boston, Massachusetts, and we lived out in a small rural rural town. I was not a football player, all right? I was not that good an athlete. I was the only kid in grammar school. There was only two kids in grammar school that didn't, didn't wear Levi jeans, and I was one of them. I had to get the bigger jeans. And uh, so, you know, already just starting off, I was sort of different, okay? I was sort of a chubby little boy and went out for peewee football and didn't make the team. I was the only person 
not chosen on the team. And that, you know, just knocked me for a win. And I started out right there in grammar school saying, um, I mean, every Monday morning, the elementary school teacher would, all the kids would stand up and she'd, you know, ask questions or whether for be from the Bible or from whatever. And, you know, people you, you miss, you sit down. And, uh, you know, I was always sitting down and I said, wait a minute. And my mother finally understood what was going on and she bought bought for us. We didn't have a lot of money. She bought on a layaway plan. It was called layaway back then, not credit. Layaway plan, the uh, Britannica Encyclopedia. And so I read and read and read. And so it started out when I figured out in elementary school that I loved reading. Um, I had a good memory. And basically, I got to the point in elementary school where I was the winner of every Monday morning question period because I outworked people. I read. I learned. Okay, I didn't have a lot of friends. Okay, but that built friends. Okay, the football players or the cheerleaders, everything. What? That's that kid's really smart. I need to get to know him. And, you know, that opened up. So but the real path that opened up. We went through the seventh grade. High school started at eighth grade after I graduated high school and I graduated with good grades. Everything got a phone call uh, from the head football coach. Head football coach was. With a little G was God. Okay, All right. Uh, One, he was one of the best coaches in Georgia, but like, you know, it was a football town. And he called me up and he said, uh, son, I hear you coming to high school. I said, yes, sir, coach. He said, I've heard a lot about you. And I, in my head, I said, oh, my gosh, this is not going to be good. Okay, what in the world is he doing calling me, telling me I can't go to high school? And, um, and he says, you know, I'd like for you, you know, to become an athletic trainer and work with me. I said, what's an athletic trainer? He says, I'll teach you how to tape ankles. But more importantly, you're going to help me with the, with the team. Well, why, why did he, why did, how did he think to single you out? I don't know. I don't know. I assume that the fact that I learned how to be and ended up making friends in, in, uh, in elementary school, I assume he talked to teachers or some teachers talked to him. I don't know. I don't know what, because it came out of the blue. And he said, but I, I want you to become a, an athletic tra- trainer, and I'll teach you. I says, okay, coach, uh, what's that mean? He says, "He says, well, not only are you going to work with the football team, you're going to work with the baseball team, because I'm the baseball coach. Okay. And he says, but there's one condition. I said, okay, what's that, coach? He said, I want you to be every day that we're at school, Every day the school's in progress. I want you to be at my house at 730 because you're going to ride to school with me for the next five years. And you're going to ride home with me for the next five years. And me riding shotgun with the best football coach in that whole area of Georgia sent out a message. And he was saying to the community, that family that you've been treating badly, he put his hand on our head. And all of a sudden, everything changed. And Ed, as I read that part, 
I got goosebumps because it made me think a little bit of my past and some of the people who have been helpful and I didn't know it at the time. Were, were, did you understand the gravity of that situation? Did you sense what it was he was doing for you? I didn't. I didn't sense it until. I mean, I I knew how we were treated in the community. I knew all that. I I saw that firsthand. Okay, um, uh, you know, death threats were were made several two times, et cetera. You know, I mean, I, I, I understood, but no, I didn't. Uh, it didn't. When he said, ride the car with me, you know, the immediate thing I thought, of, well, I don't have a car anyway. And, and so, okay. My, my dad won't have to drop me off. You know, I, I didn't think, why is he doing this? But he was doing it for a reason. And I mean, it's, it's, it's really interesting. And, I don't mean to take a lot of time on this, but I used to go in. There was one barbershop in the community, which was the barbershop. And I used to go in and the owner of the barbershop, I'd sit down or something. He said, you can't sit there. You go all the way in the back. And he was giving Coca-Cola's for free to everybody. And he says, you have to pay for your Coca-Cola. It's despicable. Well, the day, the, the day that he found out, it, it once I started riding to school with a coach in September, really started August when football started in August word spread like wildfire. So I went to get my, my haircut at the end of, end of August. I walk in and the, the chief barber says, Ed, so nice to see you. And he goes and he's got adults sitting in the chairs. He told this adult, you get up and go sit back there. Ed, you sit down right here. I'm cutting your hair next. And by the way, do you want a Coca-Cola for free? It's on mm. me forever. All because of the coach. All because of the coach. And then the coach also, uh, uh, you know, I I was a good learner. I loved learning. Uh, I worked hard. My coach said, you know, you ought to write an article about being a student trainer. No one's done that. I said, uh, I don't know anything about that coach. He says, well, there's a big athletic high school athletic magazine that's nationwide and I'm on the board. He says, I'll help you. Why don't you write an article on being an athletic trainer? Well, I wrote that article and published my first article in the spring of the last year. And then he came, came back to me. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Do you, do you still have that? Do you have, do you, do you have that somewhere? Oh yeah. I've got it. Uh, I've got it. For preserved, yeah, yeah. It's uh, uh, it's the journey. It was a coach and athlete magazine. It was a big magazine, and and then as we got towards the senior year, um, he he asked me. He said, "You know, you'd make a good athletic, good student athletic trainer at college." I said, "Really?" He said, "Yeah." He says, "Let me do some work here." And that's how I got a full scholarship to go to the university of Florida as an athletic trainer. And then I got in there and it, I was athletic trainer for the first fall, but then the head offensive coach came to me and he says, you know, you're a smart kid. He says, you know, we, I got a, a nice adding machine and everything. I'd like for you to be our data analyst. And I said, what is that? So we explained that. And so make a long story short, uh, I, be, you know, I worked, 50 hours a week 
you know, basically, except the holidays, 50 hours a week for three years. I went to school year round and I built a system, which was the first college football data system. I bet it was awesome. And and my senior year, this is, I mean, you, you know a lot about football, so that's why. Senior year, the head football coach at Notre Dame, the University of Texas in Southern California, all the big names, three big names, each of them came and spent independently two to three days with me copying my system. Holy cow. Amazing. And that's where data analytics really started. I hope someday you take this brief autobiography and expand it and write more. I, I It's like I'm, I'm enjoying every minute of this. And, and I thank you for writing this. Again, you have no idea probably how many people follow you, love your writing. So just getting to hear and see this. Uh, thank you, sir. But, but, but the message, well, thank you. But the, the message is not about me. The message is, is that there are people out there, you know, that will help people be so long as, you know, you interact with people. There's a, there's a, there's a emotional, emotional development positive emotional development and emotionally connecting with people and building caring, trusting relationships is what it's all about. And it's going to be mission critical in this smart technology age. It's going to be one of the, one of the two key things that differentiate us from smart artificial intelligence is emotional connections. And somehow it's all about that. Your new book is Own Your Own Journey. And by the way, the cover, whoever did the cover, you need to let them know that I it's it's brilliant. I love the cover of the book. Own your work journey. Own, Own your, your work. work journey. Path to meaningful, meaningful work and happiness in the age of smart technology and radical change. We don't have time to hit every point. So is it okay for me to hit two points that just really struck a nerve? Sure. Struck- that, that Absolutely. struck a nerve that may sound negative. That meant a lot to me. My three favorite attributes of a CEO, they've got to be decisive. They've got to be authentic. They've got to be humble. Even if you're missing one of those, they're not going to be a fun CEO for me to work with. So humility has always been in the top three for me. Mm-hmm. So I see the term, the quiet ego. I've never seen those three words, or if you leave out the I've never yep. seen quiet ego, those two words strung together. I love that term, but can we hear directly from the author? What do you mean? It's really cool that you picked it out because, you know, that's happened to me a couple of times that very smart people, uh, such as yourself, and uh, people that basically have a quiet ego, such as yourself. You know, people, like, what is a big ego? And it, it was, using it was sort of intentional. And it's, you know, a person with a big ego has got to be at the center of intention, attention, okay? Dominates the conversation, is always right, all right? Uh, rarely asks questions, all right? Uh, excels at telling, listens to confirm, all right? Not to learn. Uh, they're braggarts, okay? They're just, they're so heavily invested in being better than other people or being right or being liked, okay? Because primarily big ego people are insecure people, right? And 
And humility, humility is, you know, sort of, you, you, you know, in our society of, you know, rugged individualists and everything and how we grew up, you know, humility, you know, the scientific definition of, of humility is, is that, you know, is, you know, nothing about being a wimp, nothing about, you know, being a loser, nothing about being softy or, you know, candy or whatever, you know, candy butt, so to speak. Uh, no, no. I mean, humility from a, a scientific uh, position is the opposite of a big ego and a quiet ego and humility is pretty integrated. Okay. Um, you know, it's, it's, I have in a couple of the books and everything, like five new smart principles. All right. Um, and, and I'll, I'll just read it. I'm, I'm defined not by what I know or how much I know, but by the quality of my thinking, listening, relating, and collaborating. My mental models are not reality. They're only my stories of how my world works. And we all got our own story, all right? But our own story, a lot of times it's not correct. I'm not my ideas. I must decouple my beliefs, not my values, from my ego. So I'm not, you know, it's how I define myself and what I'm advocating in the new book. Why don't you? Join the journey to be a highly adaptive learner. All right. And the reason highly is there is because of the speed of the technology. All right. We always got to be an adaptive learner. But now the pace of change is such. And it is happening monthly. All right. I mean, I cannot keep up with the AI guys. All right. Uh, what's going on and the stuff I try to stay abreast of. I mean, I got a sense of it. But it's happening so fast. And so it's this, you know, I got to be not just adaptive. I got to be highly adaptive. Learn, unlearn, relearn, speed of change. Every business, every CEO, if he or she wants their business, all right, to be able to be a, quote, winner in the age of smart technology, they need to basically enable their organization to learn the skills and the practices, daily practices, that how do I transform, you know, and you got very bright, smart people who make a lot of money yes. saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, I don't need to do this. What got me here, I'm going to keep. Well, okay, you have your choice. But the world we're in right now, and it's just amazing the change in the seven months of this year of what's going on from a technology viewpoint. And it's only going to continue to accelerate. All right. It'll be a GPT-5, you know, pretty soon. Then a six, then a seven. And, and so how organizations adapt to this, they got to have a story. But more importantly, the individuals have got a story, and that was the purpose of this new book, which came out March 3rd, is to help people learn how to become highly adaptive all right, learners by taking ownership of themselves personally, okay, 
taking ownership of your ego, your mind, your body reactions, how you think, right? how you listen, how you collaborate, how you behave, the words you use, because it's going to be, I mean, and the people who can take, and I call that journey, the journey to best self. The organizations that are going to win are the organizations that help their people be on the journey to best self. And it's on a nice curve, right? You know, just going up. They're going to be the organizations that win, right? But the work has to be done by the transformation of people, including the leadership. I don't have a quiet ego, so I'm hearing this. Okay, I need to change. If anyone's concerned that, well, I'm not going to have this powerful persona, I'm reminded of the Greek language, which I'm not an expert in. I don't think there is a word for humility in the Greek language. But what I've studied and heard from other people is that there's a picture describing humility. It's a wild stallion being brought under control. Well, if that is true, a wild stallion that's now under control, that's still a pretty powerful animal. It's fast. Yeah. It's powerful. It's It has a purpose as it speeds down any path. So my, my opinion is if you're afraid to navigate toward a quiet ego, the results can be, I can't even put it into words, who knows what could happen uh, with the skill sets that person already has. But if, it's a, if you, if you, if you embrace, I mean, the, the, the goal, all right, is to manage your ego, your mind. You know, we have what's called like a monkey mind. Our mind's always working. Somebody, you know, we're listening to somebody and our mind is telling us what yes. the answer is. Mm -hmm. You know, we're always multitasking. Um, it's, you know, so it's, 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 you got to take ownership of your, your, your ego, your mind, how you listen to people. All right. Um, the words you use, all right. How you emotionally connect positive emotional connections with people are the, is the building block of trust, but it basically liberates people. And that's where lots of the innovation comes. That's where lots of the new ideas come. And, you know, it takes certain ways of doing that. And, and that's the purpose of the, of the, of the new book on your work journey. It's a, it's a workbook. It's only about 127 pages of content. It's got, you know, workshops. Uh, it's got practice, proven scientific practices and tools to use every day. And, you know, it's got in it, the, you know, the, the, the definition of, of, the scientific definition of humility yes. is which is which you're familiar with and which is not being a namby pamby, okay, not being a softy, right, et cetera. No. People that have humility, all right, are some of the strongest people I have met because they're not they're able to get to the real issue. Instead of being tied up with whether I'm right or I'm wrong, it allows, okay, 
scientific humility, okay? And we're not talking about being meek or anything like that. It's nothing like that. Uh, it's, it's the, it's that, you know, but the, the, the goal is what I call inner peace, state of inner stillness and calmness that enables you to go out in the world with your most non-judgmental, fearless, quiet ego, open mind that enables you to learn, unlearn, and relearn at the pace of change. And if you can come with that quietness inside of you, not judging people, but truly listening, okay? And what's so uh, emergent thinking, it's a uh, way of thinking that comes from this, was comes from the Santa Fe Institute right. uh, years ago. I mean, in the world we're in today, emergent thinking, people who can basically train themselves so that just ideas pop up into their mind. I can tell you, I know of people, I've had this happen to me. Uh, you do the work, you do the daily practices, and you start training your mind and your body and your emotions. You'll find out at times when you're basically at peace with yourself, the most phenomenal ideas and work ideas or ways of learning or ways of will just pop into your mind. I mean, people have to trust me. That's what happens. I mean, I didn't believe it in the beginning until years ago when I started, you know, every, everything in this book I have done. All right. I have tested and it works. I mean, and as you get better with it. Okay. I have learned. I have a little, little tablet, little, little pad, a little pad and a pen on the table beside my bed. Because sometimes I'll wake up in the middle of the night and there is this idea or story or something. And I'm a little older than you. I know that if I don't write it down, I won't remember it in five or six hours after sleeping again, but I write it down. I mean, it's, it's, a it's, and the other reason why all this is important is we, as in, you know, businesses need customers. Customers need money. Money comes from work. So everybody's got to basically figure out how they can have meaningful work as we go forward. A couple of comments as a customer of your book. You mentioned 120 some odd pages. Again, it is a quick read. One of the observations, and I figured this out after the very first chapter, after, by the way, the brilliant autobiography in the introduction, again, thank you. I learned very quickly, this reminds me a little bit of the fifth discipline field guide. Uh, I don't, I'm not ashamed to say that the fifth discipline that was a hard read for me. I don't even know how I got through all of it. I didn't do it obviously in one setting, but then the field guide comes out and it's like, Oh, this is really good. And your book, this new book reminds me a little bit of uh, the fifth discipline field guide. Uh, another quick point, if I can interject, who would this book be great for? Now at the very beginning, you say for anyone 18 years and older, bear with me here. I know when I was in college many years ago too, with the what was called 
senior practicums. And it was just a hodgepodge of everything about life in general when we get out of school. I, this book would be a great for that senior practicum, both for high school students and for college students. And one other group of employees, this is good book club material, but I do work with family-owned businesses that are getting ready to move into the fourth generation, the fifth generation. This is going to be a book that will be a gift that I'll be gifting to that next generation who's in their 20s, uh, late 20s, that will soon be taking over. Again, I'm just, those are ideas of who, actually, this book is for everybody. Like you said, 18 years and older. But again, this is just very wise words in this book. You're, you're, you're kind and you're, you're correct. It's, and it's really, it's, it really would work for anybody 16 or over, but I, I chose 18 just because of the, no, no, I'm just explaining. I chose the 18 on purpose because of, you know, what's going on in certain areas of the, of the country. But, uh, but you're, you're exactly right that, that, you know, this is, Everything in this book is based on science and uh, practices and tools of the ancient seven ancient religions and the great philosophies. All right. I mean, lots of what's in this book is 2000 years old. All right. And it's and it's, you know, it's worked historically. All right. It's uh, it's not all of a sudden, uh, uh, you know, it's in what makes the book sort of unique is is the fact that you know the the science now is pretty clear people learn best all right when they actually take what they think they've learned and you know write down what they think it means or they have conversations with people and so it's it's got these these 35 workshops so everything we talk about in the book all right there's a workshop you fill out and you grade yourself and then you make, you have the chance. Okay. So what are you going to do with this information now? What's the key things you should think about working on? And then it has, okay, you can only work on a few things at a time. So what are you going to start with? Okay. And then there's the science of deliberate practice, right? It's, you know, great musicians, great athletes, great warriors. Okay. Why are they great? Take the NBA basketball teams. Most of the NBA basketball teams have mindfulness meditation coaches full-time for their players. And you watch some of those players, you know, and there are certain players that are very, very good. They'll go out every day and go to close to half court and basically shoot a hundred shots. Right. And, and, they're able to do that because of their meditation training. Because that's when your body and everything is totally, you are totally with the ball in the hoop. Nothing, and you're just quiet. And your body's at peace. You're not stressed. You're not tense. And, you know, so there's, there's so much. So what's so fascinating about it is, the science behind the book and the philosophy behind the book is, as I said, thousands of years old. And so people should feel comfortable. This is, you know, this is not some guy who's 
dreaming up something new to, you know, make a lot of money selling his books. And, uh, you know, my first response is, I may not want to make a lot of money on this book. I would have, you know, have basically created a book with a big book publisher. I chose Amazon to keep the price affordable. And uh, $7.95 for the uh, book and $3.95 for the ebook. Okay. And seven eight dollars is a you know, it's a sandwich in a in a Coca Cola. Absolutely. Right? And and uh, but it's um, and so what's fascinating about the work you do in everything, and especially with the private multi generational families, for the family values to be maintained in this very volatile environment for the younger generations. They have to basically train themselves in ways different than their parents did to take ownership of what's going on inside and to be controlled so that they make good decisions. And when we all mess up, when we mess up, we go back and we apologize and we ask for forgiveness. And we basically at some point got to forgive ourselves. And the key thing is don't make the same mistakes over and over. And uh, your thing about the family businesses, there's a large family business I do work with. And they're into the fourth fourth generation. And I think there's 200 fourth generation people. And uh, the person that's the family member that sort of oversees it all, uh, you know, all of them have the book. Do we have time for three more personal questions uh, sure. the, these Absolutely. are, these are the producers picks. Yeah, yeah. I, I, meant, I, I got the time. I mentioned I to time. you, I, I've read several of your books. I have even read, I, I I'm trying to remember. I'm curious if you've remember this book. It's so you want to start a business, eight steps to take uh, before making the late. I have even read that book, Ed. I did read learn or die in I think 2016 and I have a I've in fact I opened it up before I joined our call I was just looking at how many highlights and notes that I had in the book and I did not know this you were interviewed by someone I admire and look up to Shane Parrish of Farnham Street uh they he interviewed you it's it's excellent so because of that it makes me want to go back and reread Learn or die. I've already read Hyper Learning. Is that good advice? Uh, th- this may be an awkward question, but if I want to read another Ed Hess book, and by the way, I've not told you this, I reread Smart Growth every year. So we're recording this in July. I reread it again in February. And it is every time I read it, Ed, it's still fresh to me. So I'm going to put you on the spot. If I want to read another Ed Hess book, uh, Learn or Die, reading it next, is that a good pick? Did you read the Humility book? You know, I have not read that one. Yeah, that, the Humility is the new smart. That's that book has been of the fifth. Well, this book just started. Okay, fifteen of the fourteen books. That book has been the biggest seller. I will definitely put it next. I, I I will I still want to read Learn or Die because of the interview, yeah. but oh, I will. It, 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 Learn or Die's got a lot of science in it and a lot of uh, uh, 
yeah, I mean, the Learner Die book was very, very important and was a big book because uh, Ray Dalio, you know of. Yes. Right? You know, Ray was very gracious and gave me the opportunity to create a 57-page story of how he manages his company, all right? And uh, and so, you know, that's the longest chapter I've ever written, any of my books, 57 pages. And uh, and it was, a, a, and it's been a, a, a very good seller. And so, no, the, the, the Learn or Die book has got some, has a, some stories in it, I think, that you would find very, I mean, I, I know you would love the, the Dalio chapter. Yes, okay? yes. Okay. And because and because it really gets into granular, and, it, and I got stuff in there about, because you know, I sat in on meetings, and I saw how people reacted to uh, uh, to being challenged, and et cetera, and then I interviewed people. Uh, so, no, I, I think that because learn learn or die set the framework for the all the next books that then that's what i it's a building block yes so you should you should look at the building block all right and and uh because it was it was uh it was the 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 leap uh you know the, the leap that that has influenced everything since in the interview with Shane Paris, he even says, this is the best book I've ever read on learning. And for him to say that, that is a, that's gotta be an incredible compliment coming from someone like him. I, I am curious, is there another book in you, Ed? <laughs> that's an interesting question. Uh, well, I thought that, um, I thought that the humility book was the last one, but no, then I did the uh, hyper learning book. And then I thought mm -hmm. definitely that was the last one. And then I did this one. This one. Uh, and so I've, I think I sh I'm, I'm smart enough to realize that no matter what I think, there's always a possibility. And it depends on, depends on a couple of things. Do I see a need that's not being met? Is there something going on out there that I think I can add value to? Uh, I think the publishing environment is such now that uh, uh, I would probably continue to self-publish because I can get to market in four months if I self-publish, where if you go with the publisher, it's a year and a half. In today's world, What's happening today can be completely gone in a year and a half. Great point. And so, um, so I, I, it, the best answer I can give you at this point, I don't have something which I find so compelling that that I need to, and I always learn when I write a book. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not at the point that I've got something new besides smart AI uh, that uh, I've got to figure out. So we'll see. Uh, but I've learned not to say no. You might ask, you might ask the 16 to 20 people in your tightest inner circle who have read at least five of your books, 
and just ask them, what about my memoir? Go back to the introduction in this new book. I wanted to hear more. And the theme could be on becoming a mentor or what it means to become a mentor. And again, the introduction is powerful. That is a powerful chapter. Uh, it's almost like everything else is a bonus. Uh, so just just maybe approaching your inner that's, circle and just that's ask. Interesting. Wonder, and I, you may think, well, that's too self-serving because you're humble. But just know that people like me, I was moved by that introduction. So I'm just, I'm not, I'm not saying you should. I just, no, just, no, no. I I appreciate it. I've, you know, I've not, I've not thought about that because you know, there's different. I've got different stories in the humility book that's in this book. I mean, almost, I, I, I guess the humility book. Uh, uh, definitely had a you know lots of stories. In fact, even some stories more personal uh, than what's in this book um, that you know people have just you know continuously thanked me for. But your idea is is a is a is a thoughtful idea because there are more stories there, and what it shows is that basically humans can adapt. If they've got it, if they've got a purpose for adapting. Yeah. Well, final question, final question. I, I'm staring at this bookcase behind you. And of course it's like, Oh, I would love to, when you're not in your office to walk in it and just kind of look at the titles. That would be, that would be fun. Don't know if you could pry me out, but are there any books? I mean, I, there are several ways I could ask this question, your favorite books, yeah. books that you give to others, but Maybe I just need to ask, what are you reading these days that have had an impact on your thinking? Yeah, yeah. and I, I, I brought the books because you, you, you gave me a heads up. All right, here's, can you see this? Yes, I can. Yes, Impromptu. Impromptu by Reed Hoffman. You know who he is. Founder of LinkedIn, and he's one of the founders of OpenAI. You got that? I do. I'm writing it down. Yes. Got it. Okay. Then tell me when you want the second one. Well, by, by the uh, time out, uh, what do you like about that book? Well, maybe you can see here. Holy see. cow. I see someone that's taking a lot of notes. <laughs> a lot of notes because it's the, it's the best book I have found yet about understanding open understanding AI chat GPT for and how to use it because he basically just like my workshops, he says, okay, I'm going to, this chapter is going to be a chapter was a chapter, which I did with open AI and you will see what I asked it. You will see what it gave me. You'll see what I asked it to change or do over or asked me to do differently so, you know, it's a teaching tool just to understand how does this stuff work. Uh, by the way, 99 cents, I just bought it. <laughs> so I don't know if this has yeah. ever happened on the show before where someone mentions a book and I bought it. So I just, I just hit buy. Thank All you, right. Amazon book, One Click. See this book? Can you turn it just a little bit? Oh, oh no, I'm just showing oh. you the first watch I've got turned down. 
Well, that's a very well-used book. <laughs> oh, Scary Smart. Oh, I love the title of that. Scary Smart by Mo. You see Mo's name yes, down there? Yes, yes. Mo was the chief guy at Google. And he quit Google and formed his own company. And he uh, is one of the leading people who believes that this could basically eradicate the human race. But he, he doesn't, that's not the purpose of this book. It's the future of artificial intelligence and how you can save our world. Um, and he, but he gets into, and it's a, it's not a, it's an easy read book. Okay. okay? There's a lot of words on each page, but uh, it's the best it's the best book written by somebody that's on the in was on the inside, still is on the inside. He has his own company and who's very concerned about how it could be used wrongly. So for people to understand that, and then and probably you'll see, think this is an unusual book. You see it? Yes. I, a couple of fellow board members have said, you've got to read this. You got to read this. It's it's been in my queue, mainly my Audible queue, but now that you've now that you're elevating the book, I need to get it. We need to say what the the title of it is. What what is it? Green Lights. Yep. Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. It's his personal story, and you you talk about evolution or uh, transformation or adaptiveness, or innovation. And uh, he is a very unique human being in that he's, he's, uh, and it's, you know, there's a lot of, you know, it's, 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 it's not a book because the language he uses for, you know, your, your grandchildren or anything, but, but the fact is, He's an amazing adaptive learner. He's a highly adaptive learner. And it's just truly amazing, his story, including his most recent story where he basically, you know, turned down a you know, big, big opportunity because he had it's just doing something that he's done before. And he's turned it down saying, you know, I'm ready for the next level of humanity. And I got to figure out what what role I'm going to play in this game. I mean, it's a very interesting story about uh, somebody that came from, you know, very you know very humble background, uh, and then he didn't marry. You know, he didn't marry early. Uh, he's you know uses a lot of curse words in the book, uh, or a lot for a book. It's not every page. But it's a fascinating human story about how one person continually pushes himself to basically explore and be better. I promise I'm going to read that book before the year is up. I'm going to use one of your words. I would guess that Matthew is a reflective listener, but also a very deeply reflective thinker but also a reflective listener that, by the way, again, that's one of your terms that you uh, bring up. Ed, this has been a treat. This is it's just 
This has great been great being with you. It's been is, great being with you. I, I I respect you. I admire you. The what you do for people is just. I mean, you you are the right person to be doing what you're doing with your clients, with your family, whatever. I mean, uh, uh, it's, I learned from you. All right. And, uh, you know, and, uh, let's stay in touch, you know, maybe every quarter I just get up, you know, and you're very busy and I don't want to improve, but you know, maybe every, every quarter, just, you know, how you doing, what's going on, what you learning, what you seeing, you know, that'd be, that'd be really cool. And, you know, and I don't, I don't, there are very, very few people that I, I'm not blowing smoke. There are very, very few people that I say I would truly enjoy doing that as a, you know, because I, you know, you're, you're, you're special, man. You're, you're special. You are listening to CFO Bookshelf, lifelong learning for financial leaders. And now back to our host, Mark Gandy. Prosperous. Fortunate, happy, kind. If you were to find an 1806 Webster Dictionary, those would be the four words that define success. Prosperous, fortunate, happy, kind. Ed Hess, you are a successful person. Next point. The first time we ever see the word coach is in the 1500s, England. It describes the horse-drawn carriage. But it's more than just a carriage. It's to transport a person of importance for where he or she is to where they want to be or need to be. Ed Hess, you are also a successful coach. And by the way, Jeffrey Marks, thank you for that inspiration. We need to call this a wrap. I'm Mark Gandy for CFO Bookshelf. 